0: All right, it is good to be with y'all. Uh, we are jumping in to our series, Steadfast. Open up First Thessalonians together. Uh, have your Bible, grab it, open up to First Thessalonians with us. We've got Bibles in the back for anybody who wants one. You can use those any week. Uh, you're welcome to use your phones if you want to read the Bible, not to do all the other things that our awesome phones do. Um, I'm Wyatt, and I'm one of the pastors here. So glad to be able to be with you and uh, excited for this series. Do we have any long-distance runners here? Anybody who likes to run? Just like, I'm a runner. One, two, three, five and a half weirdos, and uh, <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, I, this may shock you. Prepare yourself. I'm not much of a runner. Um, I, uh, are, the longest distance I've ever ran is three and a half miles, I know that because it was part of my strength and conditioning class in high school, and that was the requirements, and that's the only reason I did it, and it was terrible. Uh, So that's me, Um, but some people actually are good at this and actually really like to run, and if you're one of those people, I actually have a lot of admiration for you. I was uh, down uh, studying in Portland uh, last year, and uh, when I was doing that, sometimes I got to stay at the house of professors, which was kind of fun and weird at the same time, like Uh, You think you know professors, and then you stay at their house, and it's like, oh, interesting. You're, like, just another kind of weird person with (laughs) uh, crocheted things on your wall and, you know, like, glasses from 1945 and whatever, but uh, so kind of these people to let me stay with them, and... Um, I remember kind of, you know, you're in this brand new house, everything's strange, you're in somebody else's room, and I stayed in the room that once belonged to their son, who's now grown out of the house doing his own thing, and it was still kind of set up for this guy, and there was all these photos on the wall of him as a cross-country runner uh, with the, you know, the singlet and the bib and the number and a lot, I mean, medals, like, clearly he was very good, and I just kind of assumed that this was from high school or college or something like that, and they were just up there, Uh, but one night the couple that I was staying with asked me if it was okay if their son came over and joined us for dinner and invited me to be there and uh, and so I got to sit with uh, with this guy and he's, he was like 27, 28 and he was an ultra marathon runner. I don't know if you know what that means but this is like, this is his career. He, he was signed on with Nike. He was sponsored. He went around. He trained. He did ultra marathons. You're probably familiar with marathons. Uh, 26.2 miles, right? Um, Ultra marathons are like people who look at marathons and go, that's just not long enough. You know, that's like, that's weak sauce. Uh, 26 miles, come on, challenge yourself. Uh, This guy, he he ran miles, uh, he he, he ran races that were 50 miles long. He, He ran races that were 100 miles long. He ran races where there was no distance. They said, you have 24 hours, go, see how far you can get. Longest one wins. Honestly, that was how some of those worked. Uh, he he ran with endurance that just astounded me. It, it was crazy. A hundred miles. Think about that. It's taking him like sixteen hours uh, to to accomplish a race like that. It was totally insane. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I ran three and a half miles once. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I did I did accomplish that. Didn't take any breaks. Three and a half miles. Totally totally crazy. I just I was, when I was refreshing myself with this story, I looked him up. He's like a big deal. I mean, r- running magazines he's on, the, on the cover, this the, huge thing. It's all about endurance. I was asking him, why do you like doing this? Like, why is this what you've given your life to? He said, you know, the physical training is fun and hard and it's, you know, it's, it's cool to see what you can push your body to do, but it's actually the mental thing that I like. It is a mental game. Your body is screaming at you in, in every way it possibly can to stop. And you have to have mental fortitude. You have to be steadfast, to be resolute, to push through that, to see what your body really can do. And that's what I love. And I was like, that is so cool. I wish I could be like that. I can't. <laughs> so cool. But that's what he loved. You had to be steadfast. And that's what we call this series. Uh, what does it mean to be steadfast? Uh, simple definition. We'll put it up on the screen for you. To be resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering, okay? To be resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering, to be aimed at something, to be chasing something down, to be pursuing something, and to not let anything deter you, to not let anything get in your way, to not let anything convince you to stop or to quit or to to give up or to take a break, to to be steadfast. That's what this guy had to do on mile 87, right? When he wanted to stop, he had to be steadfast, Beautifully, unwavering, firm. So what does it mean for us to be steadfast? Um, that's what we're going to be getting into. This, this is what this series is about. This is what this book is about. Uh, and, and as we just keep talking about this, I want you to think about what does it look like to be steadfast? I mean, think about like a hundred-year-old oak tree, right, that's been through a thousand storms and is still standing. That's steadfast. Think about the marriage that has lasted 50 years and only gotten stronger, that's steadfast, right? Think about the the person in your life who has been there for you the longest and never left you, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've messed up, no matter what reason you've given them to walk away, who's been faithful, steadfast. Uh, What does it look like for us to be that way with Jesus? We asked you uh, last week, do you want to be an everyday follower of Jesus? That's what we're here for. We're following Jesus together. We hope that you're going to join us, that you're going to say, I want my life to be about following Jesus. If you're going to do that, if you're going to be an everyday follower of Jesus, you're going to be somebody who puts Jesus first, somebody who pours into this community and says, we before me, right? Somebody who serves is going to say, I'm going to think about myself less. Somebody who's going to actually be about making Jesus known. If that's going to be you, it's going to require steadfastness. It's not going to be easy. You know this if you're following Jesus, uh, you do not wake up every morning just thinking, I want to do nothing but honor Jesus today. Uh, we hope, we want that. We, we pray for that. We, we, we train ourselves to be that way, but that's not how it is. You got to fight. You got to work hard. Uh, and that's what this series is going to be about. What does it look like for us to remain steadfast, to not be somebody who just comes off of camp high at the camp high, right, who, who has these incredible moments on the mountaintop, but then never opens our Bible again until the next camp. Right, to not be somebody who, who follows Jesus in high school but then goes to college and walks away from your faith. Uh, to not be somebody who, who follows Jesus on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings but then the rest of the week lives a totally different life. No, that's not what we're after. What does it look like to be an everyday follower of Jesus who stays the course? Uh, let's, let's jump into our text here. We're only going to look at one verse tonight. Uh, this is setting up the book. This is uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.1. And I just want us to get ready for this series. What is this letter, 1 Thessalonians? Who's writing it? Who's he writing it to? What's the context? How are we going to take stuff out of this? And here's what it says. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Okay, this, is a, this is a common way that the letters in our Bible start. This is a greeting. You start by saying the, the names of the people who are writing it. Okay, so those first three names. Paul, Silas and Timothy. This is who this letter is from. Mainly it's Paul, but he's saying he's with Silas and Timothy. That's important. We're going to get to that in a second. And he's writing this to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a group of believers who have committed themselves to following Jesus every day in the city city of Thessalonica. And and he's saying this is for you. Grace and peace to you. This is for your good. This is for you to thrive. Uh, Why is this here, what, what do we know about Thessalonians? Are you were here on Sunday, you guys studied Acts 17, right? This is the story in the Bible of, of this city, of this church, of where it came from. It is this insane story. Uh, Paul is this missionary who's going all over the world. He he goes into cities, he tells people the gospel, he tells people about Jesus. He says, hey, God has done something in the man of Jesus. He he is God in human flesh. He came, he died on the cross in your place to restore your relationship with God, and he rose again, and he offers that new life to anyone who follows him. This is the good news, and Paul just goes from place to place telling people about Jesus. And sometimes it goes well, and and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, sometimes. Uh, he gets the crap beaten out of him. Uh, sometimes everybody just is, is thrilled to, to hear about Jesus, and he never knows until he shows up. And so he rolls into town in, in Acts 17. He gets to Thessalonica. And, and uh, early on, it seems like it's going pretty well. A- Acts 17, verse 4. It says, Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. This is good. Right? Paul shows up. He says, hey, you guys got to know about Jesus. And some Jews say, we want to follow Jesus. That's awesome. We're so excited about what God has done. And actually, a large number of God-fearing Greeks of non-Jews say, yes, Jesus is, that, that is what we've been waiting for. We want to give our lives to Jesus and walk with him. That's awesome. So this large number of Greeks and some prominent women, everybody's in. But it does not stay good. Right? This was verse 4. Verse 5. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. This is three weeks into Paul's ministry uh, in Thessalonica. Three weeks. Uh, I love how it says they rounded up some bad characters. Sounds like the people that your grandmother tell you not to hang out with. Like you're not hanging out with any bad characters, are you? Uh, they, they round up some people. They start a mob. So, for three weeks, Paul is in this city. People are following Jesus. Awesome stuff is happening. But just three weeks in, okay, a mob forms. And what happens is they come for Paul and Silas and Timothy who are here. right? The people writing this letter, they were here on the ground. They come. They try to get them to, to drag them in front of a trial to arrest them. They can't find them. So they arrest some of the other Christians that have just started following Jesus. Jason is one of those. Uh, and Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they have to run. They head out of town. They, they, they move on and they don't come back for a long time. Okay, so, so just three weeks in, this, this church, this group of people following Jesus is without the leadership. Uh, they've seen some of their brothers and sisters arrested. It, it's very clear that the majority of this town wants nothing to do with Jesus and is hostile to anybody following him. I just want you to think about this. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. Imagine that you became a Christian three weeks ago. All, all you know about Jesus is what you've been able to learn in the last three weeks. And all the leaders in your life, everybody who's pouring into you, has either been arrested or kicked out of town, and now you're sitting here like, what do we do? Um, h- how do you stay steadfast? This is, this is the concern of the letter, right? The school thing happens. They send Timothy back. Timothy's able to live with this church for a while to teach them to train them up. But now Timothy has left. And Timothy has just gotten back to Paul, and he's given Paul a report. He said, here's, here's where the church is. The church is thriving. The church is doing well. They're growing. And, and this letter is Paul's response to that, uh, to, to the fact that the church is, is growing. And he's going to say, here's what I want from you. I want you to stay steadfast. Uh, the, the spiritual high is long gone. Right? That, that three-week period where people were getting saved and everything was amazing, everything was brand new. Maybe you've experienced something like that. Maybe you came with us to, uh, to campus last summer. Maybe you were in middle school. Maybe you were at Kukanusa with us in high school. Maybe you've had those moments where everything just seems amazing. You, you get it. You can see with clarity who Jesus is and, and what you want your life to look like. Uh, and, and there's this, this incredible moment. And then you get back to normal life and the question is, what's going to happen after that? Right? What's normal life going to look like after that spiritual high? That's where the church in Thessalonica is. Uh, the spiritual high is over. They're in the grind now. People are opposed to them. It's not easy to follow Jesus. And, and this letter is an instruction to say, here's, here's what you do. Here's how you stay steadfast following Christ. Uh, who, who do you think is one of the people in your life that is just an example of the kind of life that you want to live. Uh, Who is a a faith giant? Who's somebody who you look at their life and you're like, I am so amazed by the way they love Jesus, the way that they are faithful, what God has done in their life, how how close they are with Christ. I mean, I I hope that you have somebody in your life like that. Uh, My name, as some of you know, is William Wyatt Martin III. Um, No, Wyatt is my middle name. Uh, My grandfather, William Wyatt Martin, the OG, uh, he is a a dude that that represents steadfastness, that was mature. Uh, It wasn't always that way, though. He he, uh, was not actually a Christian when he married my grandmother. Uh, When my dad was born, he he wasn't a Christian. He was a machinist. He, He worked in the shipyards in Bremerton during World War II building warships. And, uh, as you can imagine the docs, I mean, it's kind of a rough crowd. Uh, uh, he was not a follower of Jesus. He was, I think we, he was probably an alcoholic. Uh, he had quite a mouth on him. Uh, and, and that, I mean, he was, he was a rough dude. He hung out with rough people. Uh, but everything changed when he met Jesus in his thirties. Uh, when, when he gave his life to the Lord, uh, it, it just like different track, uh, I went to his memorial service 10 years ago when he died. He was 87. And we went to the church that he uh, had gone to during his adult life. It was in Gig Harbor. It was like this little family church in the middle of nowhere. Uh, And we held this memorial service. He hadn't lived there for like 30 years. Uh, And when we had that memorial service, the room was packed. It was crazy. People I've never seen before. You know, our family drove out there. But these were people who were in that community who, who, when they heard that he had died, they wanted to come. And there was a moment where they could stand up and share what, uh, why they were there. You know, what, what story they had from my grandfather, Wyatt. He went by Wyatt, too. Um, and it blew me away. I mean, just person after person after person stood up and said, uh, you know, I had nowhere to stay. And Wyatt and Marie opened up a room in their house for me, and I lived with them for a year. Uh, Somebody was having to say, you know, Wyatt was the one who led me to the Lord, who discipled me when I didn't know anything. Uh, Wyatt came over to my house and repaired my car, paid for the parts himself because he knew that I didn't have the money for it. Uh, You know, Wyatt was the one who... Uh, who actually was the children's person who led my kids to the Lord uh, at this church, even though he, he didn't even start the year there. They just needed somebody, so he signed up. I mean, just story after story after story. And I remember just listening to this and thinking, like, this is the life that I want. I mean, I, I want God to use my life in a powerful way. I, I want to be as close to the Lord as my grandfather was. Uh, he, he was an incredible person. It was because he was steadfast. Um, if you know people like that and you go up to them and you ask them, like, what, where has this faith come from? Like, how, how did you become the way you are? There's somebody whose faith you just admire and respect, their, their closeness with Jesus, the way that they trust God, the way that they just have faith and they're humble. And, 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 you know, life's not perfect for anybody, but you just see the way that they walk with Jesus and you're like, that's incredible. And, and you go and you say, how did this come about? How did you get to where you are? It will not be a one-time experience. It, it won't be. You know, man, I went to Kukanusa, and it was incredible, and it was just like the camp high that never ended. Nope, that's not how it works. Uh, my grandfather, it was not. Uh, you know, I had this one moment where I gave my life to Jesus, and, uh, and I just have been coasting on that feeling for 50 years. Nope. If you ask the church in Thessalonica... Uh, as they've been living their life for Jesus and say, what happened? Where did it come from? It's not gonna be, you know, there's one week where Paul came into town and that was all it took. It's not a one-time thing. It is the day in, day out it is the mundane stuff of following Jesus, of waking up in the morning and reading your Bible, of spending time in prayer, of sitting with community at your small group, and actually being honest and, and actually bringing something to the table, letting people speak into your life and say, hey, I, I see something here, and I don't think that's what Jesus wants for you, and actually being receptive to that, right? It's showing up on Wednesday night, day in and day out. If you ask my grandfather, where did it come from? He'd say, well, God, God made me this. And I've spent an hour with him every morning for the last 50 years. That's how it happens. Uh, it is the steadfastness of walking with Jesus. And, and, and this is where I think we are right now for a lot of us in this room. You have given your life to Jesus. You, you are a follower of Christ. Uh, you've had the spiritual high moments. You've had the moment where, where God shows you your sin and you're broken over it. You think, this is not who I want to be. I want to follow Jesus. I want to receive forgiveness from Christ. That has happened for you. Not all of you. Uh, that might have been a sign from God. I'm not sure. Maybe you need to listen. Uh, I... <laughs> okay, but, but now camp is over, right? I mean, that moment is long gone. Uh, now, you haven't had all your leaders arrested and taken from you, thankfully, uh, but school has started, right? The sports teams have begun. Your, your life is hard. You're, you're, you're in classes and, and everything's demanding your time. And, and it's time to say, okay, what does, what does a steadfast life look like? If I'm going to be resolutely, dutifully, firm as a follower of Jesus, say this is the most important thing, what does that look like? That's what this series is for. It's for you. If you're going to grow, if you're going to mature, if you're going to be the kind of person that stays firm, that goes to college and doesn't walk away, right, who actually just comes more and more in love with Jesus, doesn't waver, doesn't have a crisis of faith, right, doesn't look back on a, on a decade of your life and go, that was wasted, what was I doing? If that's going to be you, it's going to come from being steadfast, from following Jesus day in, day out, building habits, loving him that's what we're here for in this series that's what we're here for this year that's what we want from you uh, that's what Paul wants from this church uh, early on he says I'm thankful I thank God that you have been steadfast that you haven't walked away uh, and, and there's many of you that are there you're following Jesus you want to grow more uh, that's, that's what we're going to chase after this year uh, I'm going to close with this this is our anchor uh, this was holding down the water trampoline at Kukenusa, uh this last summer. Uh, you might have noticed that our anchor is the graphic for this, right? I mean, this is a picture of steadfastness. This is what, that's what you want out of an anchor, right? I mean, when, when you are uh, buying an anchor, you try to figure out what, uh, what the specifications are, how much it weighs, and they tell you how much weight of a boat that thing can hold. And if you do a bad job, if you buy an undersized anchor, you actually are probably going to be fine. Uh, if it's a calm day, if, if it's, you know, the sun's out and everything's good, uh, then you know, your boat's going to stay there. It's not going to go anywhere. There, there is an anchor down there. But if you have the wrong anchor, if you've got a big boat and, and you take a little anchor like this out there, the day you're going to regret it is the day that the storm comes. Right? The day that the winds pick up and, and that things aren't going well. Uh, that's when your anchor is going to break loose and you're going to be adrift. You're going to run into the shore. You're going to run to the rocks. Uh, for some of you, uh, it's time to say, what's my anchor? What's going what's to keep me steadfast? Is Jesus really the most important thing in my life? Can I say that I am putting Jesus first? Uh, and that is going to matter when the storm comes, uh, when things aren't going well, when that relationship ends, when, uh, you know, when you're failing that class, when you don't get into the college you want to go to. When all your friends are drinking and and doing stuff that you don't want to be a part of, and you got to choose between being with the people that you like or and living the kind of life that you want to live, Uh, you know, when things are hard to stay steadfast, you got to be anchored in in Jesus. And, And so, my hope for us this year is that we would do that, that we would become steadfast people who love Jesus more than anything else, who are grounded, who are, who are with community, that are, we're, we're reading the Bible, we're growing together, we're not perfect, uh, but that Jesus is really changing us. And so, do you want that? Uh, that's what we're going to be after this year. Um, let's, uh, let's stand, let's pray, let's worship. God, thank you for uh, this book, this message for us. God, thank you for your steadfastness to us. That you are firm and resolute and unchanging in your love for us and your grace, God. We don't want to be people that are tossed to and fro, that that uh, that don't have anything to ground us. We want that to be you. Uh, we want to put you first in our life and. And so, Lord, I pray that you would begin to do that in our lives, that you would begin to strip away the things that don't belong, uh, to strengthen us, to, to cause us to mature, to be more like Jesus, that you'd use this group to represent you to the world around us. Amen.